Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for January the 8th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news from around the industry five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So if you enjoy the show, you like what you see, be sure to hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. But with that being said, today we are talking about Tencent, the Chinese gaming giant pouring money into platinum games the creators of titles like Astral Chain, Nier Automata, and Bayonetta. That's right, some money is changing hands, but are there corporate changes coming? No, there aren't, but we'll talk more about that. However, then Escape from Tarkov's developer is under fire for the fact that they are not including playable female characters in the game, have no intention to, and have given horrible excuses as to why. We will talk more about their uh, poor excuses and the reaction on social media. Then, PlayStation 5's logo has already had more social media engagement than the entire Xbox Series X reveal. There is a brand new Pokemon Direct coming this week. Into the Gungeon has passed 3 million in sales, and the UK is honoring some big-name games on some classic retro postage stamps. And that is our lineup for today's show. But without further ado, I do hope you enjoy it, and let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, Bayonetta developer Platinum Games teams up with Chinese gaming giant Tencent. Bayonetta and Nier Automata developer Platinum Games is getting an infusion of cash from Tencent, the Chinese internet and media company that has had financial stakes in Activision, Blizzard, Ubisoft, and Epic Games, and Tencent also owns Riot. In a statement posted to the developer's website, Platinum Games president and CEO Kenichi Sato said his company's partnership with Tencent has no effect on the independence of our company, and we will continue operations under our current corporate structure. Sato said the investment from Tencent will help Platinum strengthen our foundation as a business and expand from game development into exploring self-publishing. Platinum's currently announced projects include Babylon's Fall for Square Enix, Bayonetta 3 for Nintendo, and World of Demons for DNA, though the latter game appears to be on hold. Two of Platinum's most beloved action games, the original Bayonetta and Vanquish, will be re-released in remastered form on PS4 and Xbox One in February. In 2019, Tencent teamed up with Nintendo, which published Platinum's Bayonetta 2, The Wonderful 101, and Astral Chain to bring the Switch platform to China and to co-develop Pokemon games with the Pokemon Company. Studio head Atsushi Inaba told VGC last year that Platinum Games was moving towards a self-publishing model in an effort to own its intellectual property. Inaba said the Osaka-based studio was overhauling how it develops games, adding the Platinum was in the middle of designing something that has never been done before, which that in and of itself sounds exciting. But the interesting story here today on January the 8th is that it looks like Tencent is getting into a little bit of the Platinum Games pie, and a lot of people are worried about Tencent. And to some degree, I understand why. Because monopolies are bad, okay? And Tencent is really getting into a lot of different industries in a lot of various ways, and it is getting to be a very, very, very large company. Uh, and it's getting to be more and more involved in the Western side of the gaming front, especially. Uh, but when it comes to this specific situation, of course, this is just one article on the internet. I'm not reading the intricate law documents. It seems like this is not that intrusive, and it seems like Tencent is just throwing investment money into Platinum Games that is going to simply help the team do what they do, but better. And so with that investment money, again, self-publishing is always the way to go if a company can. It simply makes sense. Of course, when Platinum Games owns their IP, that means they can do with it what they will. Sequels are within their grasp, etc. It just frees up uh, the amount of time you have to spend on paperwork and the amount of approvals you have to get, and you can pretty much do what you want to do in a very much more uh, you know fast-paced kind of way. Uh, but this, for me, 
seems to be a pretty fine move. Doesn't really limit Platinum Games. Doesn't tie them into any specific company necessarily. Uh, but Tencent getting involved certainly could shift the future of the company, depending on what Tencent wants. Uh, again, it doesn't say specifically how much money was invested, uh, but if there's an article being written about it, if there's a statement being written about it, there's probably a good chunk of change uh, being thrown from Tencent over towards Platinum Games. But hey, good on them. I hope the best. Again, they are making some fantastic experiences in the action game franchise. Of course, with uh, Bayonetta being huge in 2019 and beyond, that's very exciting. On top of that, Nier Automata looking very good, and Astral Chain a sleeper hit for 2019 that really did do well on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the future to see what they come up with. And hopefully Tencent keeps doing the right thing where they're just like, hey, here's some money. Do with it what you will. It's like Grandpa Tencent. Yeah, you need some money for the arcade. I'll give you money for the arcade. It's Tencent. And then you come rub my bunion. That's how it works. Uh, anyways, Escape from Tarkov Creator has given a terrible excuse for not including playable female characters. It's immersion breaking and also too much work, apparently. Oh no. We are in a brand new decade, but that has not stopped some video game developers from falling back on inexcusable explanations for why you can't play as female characters in certain games. This time, it's courtesy of Escape from Tarkov creator Battlestate Games, which offered two convenient excuses as for why. Despite the request of many players, it will not let you play as a female character in its ultra-realistic military survival sim. Excuse number one is that, as the Russian-based developer explained on Twitter, playable female characters cannot be included because of game lore. It's not exactly clear what that means, but Battlestate seems to be suggesting that its game, which is set in a fictional region of Russia and features an armed conflict between fictional private military companies, does not have a narrative that supports female combatants. That's despite the insurmountable narrative evidence of female characters who are present in pretty much every piece of post-apocalyptic fiction ever made, because, you know, women exist, and in basically every other military survival sim and battle royale shooter on the market. Excuse number two is a bit more forthright. There will be no playable female characters because of the huge amount of work needed with animations, gear fitting, etc. The developer is getting predictably eviscerated on social media, especially considering its previous tweet seemed to suggest it had no problem animating its non-playable female characters for storyline quest, thus undermining its lore excuse. It's also curious that Battlestate is only responding to the idea now because a three-year-old interview with an employee of the development team had been recirculating online in which the employee insisted women could not cut it in the high environment of Tarkov. We came to the conclusion that women cannot handle that amount of stress, Battlestate Dev Pavel Dyatov said at the time. Probably massacred that name. There is only place for hardened men in this place. Battlestate has since said the employee was reprimanded and properly instructed, presumably on how to talk to the press. Battlestate's response here is not a new one. Nearly a decade ago, developers were making the exact same excuses, most notably back in 2014, when Ubisoft creative director Alex Amaneko Amancio, there we go, said Assassin's Creed Unity would not feature female playable characters in its four-player co-op mode because it would add a lot of extra production work. Of course, future Assassin's Creed games, including Syndicate, which was released a year later, featured female protagonists. That was conveniently after former Ubisoft animator Jonathan Cooper chimed in amid the controversy in June 2014 to say it would take a day or two's work to add playable female models. 
Thankfully, we have seen this excuse fall out of favor among developers. It appears many have decided that gritty realism, however twisted to serve some goal that requires they do marginally more work, for games where you run around shooting people in the face and magically come back to life is not a really good reason to not include half of the human population as proper player stand-ins. Series like Gears of War, once a testosterone-fueled military series, just released its fifth installment with a playable female main character. Even games like PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, a game that, like Escape from Tarkov, launched in early access and also remained plagued by bugs and technical issues for months on end, had the resources and insight to include playable female characters from the beginning. It's also worth noting that Battlefield developer EA DICE had to vigorously fight its own fan base to include playable female soldiers in 2018's Battlefield 5, despite the historical evidence supporting it. Although it should not need to be said, women have been able to participate in active military service, yes, even in Russia for decades now. Perhaps Battlestate should take a few emerging cues from the real-world history of planet Earth, and of course there is a Wikipedia page linking to more info about the armed conflict and women's involvement. Oh, so, uh, the first thing I want to say is that, arguably, a lot of the uh, articles being published on this subject are reasonably skewed. Unreasonably skewed, some of them could be argued for that as well. Uh, of course, this is using language that is very much so uh, mocking the Escape from Tarkov development team, that is very much so belittling the Escape from Tarkov development team, etc. And so, as somebody who went to school for communications journalism, this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine where you are clearly inserting your own narrative and your own feelings and your own emotions into the article, which don't get me wrong, I totally understand. It happens. But if you're going to be reporting on news, let's get the subject. Let's get the what's happening, and then you can leave all of your fluffy language to an opinionated article, uh, an editorial, if you will. But that's all beside the point. The sentiment here is one that echoes with me as well. The 2020 status of video games is that realism is becoming more and more uh, elevated, more and more important for a lot of people's video game experience, and Escape from Tarkov takes realism to the next level. Uh, it truly is the most realistic simulator kind of game that I have ever seen. The sound design is phenomenal, the aesthetics of the game of course are fantastic, the lighting very good, the minimalistic approach to it where it feels like real life, very much so a big deal for me. Uh, but Again, it's a video game. So even if you say that you can't include uh, playable female characters, that the world of Tarkov couldn't handle it, whatever you want to say, it very well could. You just have to allow it to. And so I think that's pretty much really what it comes down to is that the creators behind the scenes don't want women in this game at least not in the playable kind of format. Now, could public discourse lead them to make a change? Potentially, because the game is growing by leaps and bounds. It has seen a giant blow up in late 2019, early 2020. So with more people yelling, you could be seeing some playable female characters in the coming months. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, it's the choice of the developers. If the studio doesn't want to include female playable characters, they don't simply have to. The players did not make the game, the team made the game, and so if they don't want to include that and they just want to have this giant male-dominated shooter simulator, by all means, they certainly can. That's their freedom of choice to do so. Uh, but the community, at least the uh, vocal social media community, is not very happy about that whatsoever. But that's the status of it right now, and I'll update you if anything changes. However, the PlayStation 5 logo already has more social media engagement than the Xbox Series X reveal. A full 24 hours has not even passed since the PlayStation 5's logo reveal, yet Sony is in the lead with regards to the social media race for next-gen consoles. I want to take a quick pause here. 
This probably doesn't matter that much, but I go on. On Instagram, at least, the new logo alone has attracted a larger audience than Microsoft's reveal of the Xbox Series X during the Game Awards 2019. In the long run, this may not mean much. Regardless, it is interesting to note. Last night, PlayStation's official Instagram page posted an image of the PlayStation 5 logo, which was revealed at CES 2020. At present, this incredibly simple post has already accrued an impressive 4.3 million likes. In contrast, the official Xbox page's post about the Xbox Series X on December the 12th, 2019 has only amassed around 989,000 likes. Such a wide margin could likely be explained when taking into account consideration myriad factors. Most notably, the PlayStation Instagram account's number of followers eclipses that of Xbox's 2 to 1, with PlayStation sitting at over 22 million followers compared to Xbox's 9.9 million. Strangely, PlayStation's official Twitter page has yet to so much as acknowledge the PlayStation 5 logo reveal. However, the news has made quite the impact on Twitter with some posts from random users going viral overnight. The conversation revolved around Sony's decision to only unveil the logo at CES 2020, pushing off additional PS5 news until a later date, and the fact that it is virtually unchanged from both the PS4 and the rebranded PS3 logos. Will this kind of momentum hold until Sony is finally ready to unveil the hardware itself? We will have to wait and see. During the brief PlayStation-centric segment of the CES presser, Sony also shared sales figures for its platforms, and of course we talked about yesterday how the PS4 has crossed 106 million units sold worldwide, the PSVR sales numbers are impressive at 5 million, and of course making that the best-selling VR headset. So what does this mean? I think this is pretty much all-encompassing the first chunk of the next generation of gaming consoles because the PlayStation 4 is well ahead of the Xbox One, and that's going to continue into the first part of the next console generation. The PlayStation name recognition and the PlayStation uh, quality recognition that a lot of people do acknowledge, that is going to really pump numbers up for PlayStation towards the beginning of the next console cycle. I would say that Xbox is going to be trailing behind at launch, and that's me saying that before we even see what the PlayStation 5 can do, simply because people know that if you want big narrative-driven games, PlayStation currently is the place to go for that. If you want your community, PlayStation is the place to go for that because so many of their friends, so many of your friends, if you are on console, probably play on PlayStation. Now, some play on Xbox, totally cool, but PlayStation's been overwhelmingly dominating this last console cycle. And so with that lead, that's being reflected on social media. Of course, the follower count here has a lot, a lot to do with what's happening here. Of course, with 9.9 .9 million on the Xbox side of things, 22 million on the PlayStation side of things on Instagram, that's obviously going to skew numbers. But I think that organically, the PlayStation is just doing better in the eyes of the public as of right now. Microsoft has some catching up to do. That's not to say that they can't. I'm just saying what they need to, uh, you know, acknowledge. Just see you're behind and own it and move on with it. Uh, but the PlayStation 5 logo, killing it on social media as compared to the entire console reveal of the Xbox Series X. Yikes. However, a Pokemon Direct is coming later on this week. Nintendo is promising new Pokemon information on January the 9th. Nintendo will broadcast a new Pokemon Direct livestream presentation on Thursday, January the 9th, promising new details on all things Pokemon. The roughly 20-minute Nintendo Direct will air at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 a.m. Pacific Time on Nintendo's YouTube and Twitch channels, as well as Facebook and Twitter. Nintendo did not specify which Pokemon games, either new or old, would be up for discussion in this week's Pokemon Direct livestream. The company brought Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield to Nintendo Switch in November, and the two games became among the fastest-selling Nintendo Switch games of all time with more than 6 million copies sold. 
The Pokemon Company also recently released two Pokemon spin-off games for Facebook. It does not sound like we will hear anything new on other upcoming Nintendo games in the Pokemon-themed Nintendo Direct. Nintendo's upcoming Switch lineup includes Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE Encore, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, as well as third-party developed games like Snack World from Level 5, Bravely Default 2 from Square Enix, and No More Heroes 3 from Grasshopper Manufacture. Honestly, pretty big, you know, year for uh, Nintendo in that front. Uh, but stay tuned. January the 9th, more Pokemon information. Uh, now, for me, not a big Pokemon guide. Never have been. Probably never will be. But I know a ton of you guys out there are big fans of Pokemon. So I thought that I would let you know that, hey, you need to tune in to the, the, the big direct on uh, on January the uh the uh, the ninth year. I love the verbiage here. Tune in on one nine at six thirty a.m. Pacific time for roughly twenty minutes of new Pokemon information in a live stream Pokemon Direct presentation. That's on the thumbnail. Okay, uh, but very exciting times. 2020 going to be a big year for Nintendo. Of course, actually, let's go back. We talked more about Nintendo's 2020 a couple of days ago on an episode of the Jam Pack Report, and ultimately the first part of 2020 looking relatively barren. The latter half. Probably going to be pretty heavy to compete with the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, but we will have to wait and see exactly what's coming. And we'll know what's coming for Pokemon in just a couple of hours, really, if you want to break it down into that granular kind of way. However, Into the Gungeon has passed 3 million units sold. Exit the Gungeon is coming to PC and consoles in early 2020. Developer Dodge Roll Games is having quite the Tuesday. The team took to Twitter today to announce a boatload of new information. Most notably, they revealed that their hit roguelike Into the Gungeon has now surpassed 3 million copies sold. Those are big numbers for a relatively small team. However, that was far from the only thing Dodge Roll revealed. Exit the Gungeon originally launched exclusively with Apple Arcade in October 2019. These spin-off plays somewhat similarly to Enter the Gungeon, except that you are now traversing up platforms to get back out of the Gungeon. However, it still retains the roguelike trappings and massive gun arsenal from the main game. It's now coming to PC and console, which makes quite a bit of sense. I have yet to play it, says the author, but Exit the Gungeon is, uh, of course, bringing a lot of fans into the mix, and of course, it's going to be even better with a controller. I will certainly be checking it out, they say, especially if it comes to the Nintendo Switch, I probably will as well. The final bit of news Dodroll shared is that Into the Gungeon House of the Gun Dead is coming to arcades in that same early 2020 window. This is the two-player light gun game they've talked about previously. It will obviously be a bit harder to get your hands on, but it definitely looks like a good time if you have a local arcade handy. Into the Gungeon is now out on Nintendo Switch, PC, PS4, and Xbox One, and of course Exit the Gungeon is coming to PC and consoles later on this year. Very cool stuff. Uh, the little light gun game into the Gungeon House of the Gun Dead. Really neat stuff. I saw a video for that late last year, I believe. Looks really, really good. Uh, so first off, I talk about this because of the fact that I love Into the Gungeon. It's one of my favorite games of the past uh, 10 years in the indie space. Very, very fun. Cool controls. Uh, really fun replayability with this one. But on top of that, cool to see Exit the Gungeon making its way from exclusively on Apple Arcade, jumping over to PC and consoles, because I was very excited about this, but I'm just not really a mobile gamer. And so to be able to play this on my PS4 or my Xbox One, definitely down for that one. Uh, but if you wanted to play either of these games, by all means, highly recommended. And on top of that, see if you can get your hands on that arcade cabinet. 
Is it a cabinet? It's a light gun game, whatever you want to call it, uh, in your local arcade mom and pop shop. But overall, very glad to see that 3 million copies have been sold of a fantastic little indie that could. And finally, to round out today's show, UK is honoring Tomb Raider, Worms, and other classics with retro postage stamps. The UK's video game legacy is being honored with a new set of commemorative stamps from the Royal Mail. The collection, which will set you back £14.25, nearly $19, features iconic designs from the likes of Wipeout, Lemmings, Micro Machines, Worms, and of course Tomb Raider. The set has been designed to showcase the important work UK games developers did in the 80s and 90s, creating games that went on to have a major impact on the global gaming industry. Each game featured comes with its own important, UK-centric backstory. Elite, for example, was the first genuine 3D game, while Populous was the first civilization-building game and one of the most popular PC games ever realized. Tomb Raider, meanwhile, has been honored in the collection with a mini-set of four separate stamps depicting the game's graphics evolution from pointy ponytails to slick 4K definition. As the Royal Mail's Philip Parker explained to Wireframe, the UK has been at the forefront of the video games industry for decades, noting that in the 1980s and 90s, young designers grappled with coding on the new microcomputers and set the template for the industry with iconic games. The collection will be available on January the 21st and can be pre-ordered now. Uh, but here is a, a little image of what you can expect. Again, some pretty cool looking stamps, I must admit. I would love to receive a letter with the classic Wipeout 1995 look, or perhaps even Micro Machines, Lemmings, Worms, Elite, whatever you want, you can get it, and it's very cool to see. But there are the uh, Tomb Raider stamps as well. Of course, you have the 2013 game being the most recent, uh, but the classic 1996, you've got Tomb Raider Chronicles from 2000, Adventures of Lara Croft, 1998. Really neat to see, and I love this kind of thing because it kind of marries the worlds together where, of course, gamers aren't necessarily buying stamps these days, but at the same time, it's neat to see them uh, commemorated in this kind of way, immortalized in a way, with the world of stamps. But... Again, that's coming from a nerd who used to collect stamps when I was a kid. So, I mean, take my word for what it's worth. Uh, however, if you did want them, they're coming soon. Again, launching January the 21st in the UK. If you had some mail to send out across the pond. But with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, be sure to drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube or subscribe on a podcast service to keep yourself in the know throughout the week. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon and peace.